Welcome to the Alchemical Mind. This episode is going to be very different than what I usually do. In fact, uh, many of you listening probably don't even want to listen to this episode because I'm going to be doing a little quick thought on the news that came out today about signs of life on Venus. So if you're not interested in hearing what I have to say on that, then by all means tune out. But I'll be trying to connect this piece of news with the usual topics that we do on the podcast. So maybe you want to listen, maybe not. Again, it'll be a very short episode. There will be a link in the show notes to a New York Times article. Uh, It's probably not uh, the only article. I've already seen probably a dozen this morning on the news. And it's been kind of a hot topic for a few days. Uh, Not just on like UFO Twitter and those circles, but uh, just in in scientific circles in general. Because uh, this is something that's been talked about for quite a while. I think the first time... That, uh, that this idea of life on Venus came around was you know 10 or 15 years ago at least, and it was debunked. Uh, in fact, when I started sharing some of the stuff yesterday, some of my folks were saying, "Well, isn't it super hot on Venus? How could there be life?" And uh, you know that kind of goes to the idea of how we often don't think beyond just the things that we see every day. Because sure, it may be 800 degrees on the surface. Maybe it's very difficult for life to live on the surface, but that doesn't mean it's 800 degrees everywhere, right? Even on Earth, we have different climates, different zones all around the planet. And then, of course, the higher up you go, the cooler it gets as you get into space. With that said, the the news itself is not, I mean, to me, it's not a huge deal. It, it, it's, a, it's a big deal. Let me, let, me, let me rephrase this. It's a big deal, but to me, not something that's surprising. I'll put it that way. Now, this has nothing to do with my beliefs about little green men. Uh, my entire life, I've always been fascinated with the subject, of course. And as I've dove deeper and deeper into the mystical arts, we'll say, uh, my opinion on that has changed. And maybe at some point I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. I don't think we necessarily need to have little green men or gray men or tall white men or whatever. I think that's uh, too narrow a perspective to have on what any of these experiences can mean. But the news doesn't explicitly say that there's life. It's possible signs of life. What they found is basically uh, phosphine gas, which some of you may know as swamp gas, which I find hilarious that they're using swamp gas as kind of an indication of life on another planet, when uh, that's usually the uh, the theory given here on Earth to debunk certain uh, unexplained phenomenon. Uh, so if you are not familiar with that, by all means, look up swamp gas and you'll, you'll get all kinds of stories about how it's debunked, uh, used to debunk uh, anywhere from UFOs to uh, Sasquatch to and, and, you know, a little green man, anything. So I find that really fascinating. But I think the what's important is not so much the fact that we are finding this evidence of life, because this type of gas, phosphine gas, can only be created uh, in two ways. And the most common way is through the process of life. That's not to say that it's an indication of life. Say there is swamp gas on Jupiter and, and Saturn, but those are very massive gas planets. Uh, they have uh, very high gravity, so they're able to kind of turn these elements around and and reshape them in ways that we don't normally see on rocky planets. So it is possible it's a natural phenomenon. However, most likely it is not. With that said, the idea of life on another planet is what I find most interesting coming out of this topic, out of this article, out of this series of articles. And I think there's a press conference. I'm sure it's already happened by now. 
at the uh, Royal Astronomical Society. Because for someone that's been interested in more fringe topics, alternative topics, my entire life, and now going down this mystical journey and seeing things very differently than I used to see, I'm not at all surprised that we would discover signs of life on another I think the fact that we don't find life on certain planets should be something that's more important to think about. Because to me, there should be life on most planets. Almost any planet that we find should have some sort of life. At least, you know, when if they're in, in what they call the Goldilocks, a place near the sun close enough where there's enough heat to provide the, the means for life to undergo its chemical processes, where the elements are available to create some sort of life, right? Whether it be carbon-based or silicon-based or any of those things. But to me, it doesn't surprise me at all that we would find these life signs. What I find interesting is the possible implications of it beyond that. Because one thing that I've already seen is people automatically assuming like, okay, we found microbes on Venus. That means that uh, aliens are real. That means that uh, UFOs, UAPs are real. So we need to find those types of life. And I know you understand the, the impetus for that. Because, of course, throughout all of history, we, we want to know where we come from. Who made us? Why they made us? Whether you're into philosophy, religion, or science, this is always kind of the main impetus for trying to acquire that knowledge. We want to know where we came from. And we concoct all kinds of mythology, whether it be physical mythology or spiritual mythology, try to understand the world around us and how it shaped what we have come to be. But one does not follow the other. Now, today was supposed to be I don't know what's true part two, in which I will talk about non sequiturs and, you know, making the conclusion that aliens exist, that UFOs exist, based on this evidence of microbial life on Venus, which, by the way, it's, it's not saying that there's microbes on Venus because we don't have a way to test that right now. Jumping to that conclusion is a non sequitur. That's a philosophical fallacy that we have to be aware of. So I, I decided to push back today's episode to tomorrow because I don't like doing two episodes in one day. And since this news came out today, I wanted to talk about it. That will be out tomorrow, though. We'll talk about non-sequiturs then. But we can't make that jump. We have to be very careful when making that jump. Now, the jump that we can make is, well, if all this time we thought that there was no life on Venus, and now it's possible that there is, and it's the next planet over from us, the first thing we should be looking at, number one, is evidence on Mars, which we've had evidence of microbial life on Mars since... I think 76 was when that rock sample was brought back. So we start need to start looking at these things with uh, a clearer eye, a more discerning eye. And I'm not saying there's life on Mars. There may or may not be, but that's what we need to do. That's number one. And then we can look into other places. Okay? Venus and Mars, I mean, we can get there fairly simply. They're the closest planets to us. They're the ones that have the, the closest analogs to Earth, right? They're rocky planets, relatively small. I mean, the atmospheres are very different, but it could show different ways of life. The most important thing, though, is the philosophical and the esoteric view on what this discovery means. And that's why I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. Because there's a couple things going on here that we need to be aware of. Now, this might get a little woo-woo, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think I've teased about it a couple times. I may have actually explicitly said it one time uh, on one of the episodes. But it's no surprise, everyone that listens for a while knows that I dive into psychedelics every so often. Usually I do every six weeks. Uh, in fact, uh, this week will be one of the weeks in which I 
will be partaking. And I go through a whole ritual. You can go and find that episode if you're interested in what the ritual is. Uh, I, I don't go into specifics on chemicals or anything like that, but I do talk a little bit about how I set up my atmosphere and, and the things that I do before I partake. And as a result of going through some of these experiences, you end up seeing things, obviously. Part of the trip is you see things. And what I found interesting is that there's there's certain things that I've seen in my trip states that have come to pass. I'm not saying these are prophecies uh, or anything like that. I'm not calling myself a prophet. I want to make this very, very clear. This is not at all what I'm saying. But I think in these states, you can tap into something beyond yourself. And I remember the first time it happened, I was like, huh, this is kind of weird that this is happening. And I saw this in a trip. And I actually, I talked to one friend of mine who is uh, familiar with psychedelics. And he thought I was full of crap when I told him. That's why I never told anybody else. And uh, until that thing came to pass. And I was like, hey, remember when I told you this thing? Like, this is happening now. And he's like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Well, you know, it happened second time and a third time. And, and the only reason I bring this up is because this seems like, for me, one of those things where it could be one of the fourth times. And let me explain. I'm not going to go into specifics on kind of what the experience was in the trip, but it did involve, we'll just say, extraterrestrial life, okay? uh, non-human. And, and you know, I see non-human entities all the time in trips. If, you're, if you've ever had a trip, you may have seen one, right? Specifically uh, something like uh, ketamine or DMT or uh, LSD, psilocybin, any of those substances. You're likely going to see some sort of entity. And one of the things that I saw was this kind of lead up that we're seeing this crazy year because it is a crazy year. And, uh, and I have some ideas about why it is so crazy, but we're not going to talk about that yet. seems like we're getting constantly bombarded by certain things. And it could be uh, one of these false philosophical fallacies as well, where you, you see these things because you want to see. But we had this you know, big article in the New York Times about UAPs. And of course, that's not new, right? We've had those since, I think, 2013. New York Times has been doing articles every few years. But there was there was a big one this year, and that has caused some conversation within government, which people are becoming more and more interested about. The idea is becoming more mainstream. I saw somebody retweeting, um, I can't remember who it was, some singer uh, that had just watched uh, Unacknowledged and talking about how mainstream it is becoming that somebody like this pop star is talking about the subject. That's fine. Now we have this idea of life on Venus. And the thing itself is not the important part, because remember, as I say every single episode, the important thing is the language that we use to interpret the actual information, the reality of things, okay? The interpretation is just an illusion, right? It's saying the map is not the territory. What we see is not the actual thing. It's how we interpret it. And it seems to me like, based on these two things, based on this experience that I had during a trip, and again, if you're more materialistic person, you may think, whatever, ridiculous that you're basing some of these things on a psychedelic trip. It's all, you're hallucinating. What are you doing? That's fine. We will talk about concept, imagination, actuality very, very soon. This reads to me more of something where there will be more information coming out that will be much more in your face. And it might not be 2020, but very soon, where we finally learn all this to be real. 
Now, of course, take that grain of grain of salt because I feel like everything is real. I feel like Santa Claus is real. I think unicorns are real. I'm sure some of you are juggling right now and some of you may be laughing for the simple fact that you understand where I'm coming from. I'm not saying they're actual physical entities. Okay, so don't, don't take me the wrong way. I'm not a total lunatic. But we have to be aware that the world is much crazier than it appears to be. It's much stranger than it appears to be. Now, for the conspiracy theorists, I'm not saying that there's some cabal up at the top that's preparing us for disclosure. I'm sure if, uh, if anyone here is involved in UFO Twitter, you may think that's what I'm saying. I'm talking about disclosure. I'm not talking about disclosure. I think this goes way beyond any of those things. I've talked about this for a long time. Whatever crazy conspiracy theory you have is only a small fragment of the overall weirdness of how this whole thing is set up. And I only say that because I've seen some very crazy things, both in trip states and in trance states during meditation with no additional substance. So I, I, I want to be very weary of the words that I use because I could easily say this seems like something is preparing us for the truth. But that might imply that there's either a group of humans or a group of whatever you believe, reptilians or something like that, that are you know, setting this whole thing up to bring this information to light. I'm not saying that at all. And if you think that's what I'm saying, you're not listening when I do these episodes. Because I always talk about the fact that the universe is just one constant event unfolding. And the implications of that will lead to things that some of you will be very uncomfortable with. And that's fine. The world is not a comfortable place. Like the Buddha says, life is suffering. But I feel like this is the kind of thing that prepares the zeitgeist, the popular consciousness, to accept truths about the world. And I'll use an example from The Matrix, because I've, I've talked about The Matrix a few times on the podcast, where I've done a full episode with my friend DJ about The Matrix. But if you remember, one of the things that happens when somebody's pulled out of The Matrix is that they, number one, can't accept reality, of course. But number two, there's, there's physical symptoms where you start, like, vomiting excessively, very weak. Your mind just can't take it. In essence, that's kind of what happens with some of these big perspective-shifting topics, like discovering that we are not alone in the universe. Even if it's just bacteria, right? I'm not talking about little green men or anything like that. Even if it's just bacteria, that shows us that we are not alone in the universe. And you could argue that for most of existence we felt that way. I would argue for most of existence we knew that we were not alone in the universe. And the fact that we think that we're alone in the universe is just because we've been brainwashed by this purely materialistic sense of the world because we can't see anything else out there. We find these crazy explanations to explain away any other phenomena that's outside of us. But for most of our existence, we've known that we weren't alone. And I don't subscribe to 99.9% .9 of the whole ancient alien thing because I think people are extremely smart. And of course we built all the things that we see, all the structures that we see. I don't think, you know, some ship came in and levitated things out of the way or whatever like that. I don't think any of that. But I do believe that we've been visited in the past and these beings may have given us knowledge. There's tons of indication for that in a lot of mythology. Of course, there's no physical proof for any of these things because it happened thousands of years ago. So the proof is either gone or locked away somewhere. Maybe under, uh, maybe in the Vatican archives. You know, I, I laughed when uh, when people were doing the storm Area 51 thing because uh, I mean, if there was something there at some point, it's not there anymore. Don't be idiots. 
But the movement that we should really have is Storm the Vatican Archives. Because if you want to learn about human history, I guarantee you a lot of it is down there. I'm not saying don't do this through violence. I don't believe in, in violent action. But I think that would be much more interesting to storm the Vatican archives than Area 51 or any of these other places. But yes, I do feel like we've been visited. There's something out there. And it doesn't have to be from another planet. It could be from our own planet, living underground or whatever, in Antarctica. Right, this goes along with a lot of conspiracy theories, so I don't want to get too deep into any of that stuff. Because I don't like to spread conspiracy podcast. But I think this is one of those things that's preparing us to understand that there's something more. And by us, I mean humanity. Because if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you already believe in some of this stuff, right? Talking about the mainstream, people that have a purely materialistic point of view. So should you be excited about this announcement? Yes. In some ways, yes. But in some ways, you shouldn't be surprised. The universe is teeming with life. It has to be. In an infinite universe, there's infinite possibility. Of course there is. I think as time goes on, we're going to find more and more signs of these things. And at some point, we will discover entities beyond ourselves, intelligent entities beyond ourselves. So whenever you hear any of these things about discovering signs of life somewhere or something in a rock or whatever, any of these, these things that scientists are very careful to word in particular ways so as not to cause, number one, a panic because people will panic. And number two, they word it in a way where it's not going to kind of go against the facts, the narrative that's been established already. When you start seeing these things, judge them very carefully. Again, go listen to part one, how to know what's true. And then part two will be out tomorrow. That might give you some idea. You can go just read Carl Sagan's The Demon Hunted World because those two episodes are kind of based on that book. But be very mindful when you take this information in. That's the key. Don't immediately jump to a conclusion. Don't immediately assume that something either completely explains your perspective or completely denies your perspective. Truth is going to be somewhere in between. So let's keep that in mind. We dive into some of these things. All right, that's going to be it. That's a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. But uh, I hope you enjoy that. I hope it gives you something to think about. And, and yes, there, there should be some excitement. There should be some excitement. But don't worry so much about the announcements that come out, but as to what the meaning behind these announcements are. If you want to get in touch with me, of course, you can find me on Twitter, at MindAlchemical. You can find me on email. You can email me, martin at thealchemicalmind.com. And, uh, of course, you can leave a voicemail at anchor.fm, and uh, there'll be a link in the show notes for that. Tomorrow, I'll be back with How to Know What's True Part 2, and then a few days after that, we'll be doing the Book of John Part 2 as well. So, uh, thank you for listening, and as always, remember that you are it. You are it.